morning, good afternoon, good night. Welcome everybody to episode 93 of the Craft Heads podcast. The podcast where Tommy, my best friend of 20 years, and I talk about different things we've experienced, places we've visited, things we've done, and we always have a craft cocktail to begin the episode. And this week, I'm doing another one-on-one or the newly literal fireside chats next to our new fireplace here at the condo. I have a guest this week. He's an old friend uh, that I met through friend Jake Kurtz and at Duquesne University back when we were in college, which is where Jake and Keith Partika went. We had the pleasure of him visiting us in Atlanta for the Georgia Marathon. Uh, it was the Atlanta Marathon. Uh, Atlanta Marathon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're happy to have you here, Keith. Want to talk to you about a whole bunch of stuff, but welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you. I'm very glad to be here. You know, I'm a long-time listener. I think I've been there since episode one. Yeah. And uh, I've told you about this. I'm actually, this is your second of your podcasts I've listened to. I first got turned on to you and uh, on 2v1. Shout yep. out to Nick and uh, Nick and Josh, 2v1. Absolutely. Um, but I'm very excited to be here. And when you started doing one-on-ones, I thought to myself, I got to make sure I get on this podcast. You know, what can I do to make sure I get on this podcast? Hell yeah. one-on-one. Um, and so really glad to have the opportunity. You've been, you and Tara have been the most, and the Slice Brothers uh, yes. have been the best hosts um, that anyone could imagine. And it's just been a thrill of a weekend with you. I so. really appreciate that, Keith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to propose a toast to, this is your victory drink for completing your fourth marathon? This is my third that full was marathon. Third. Um, so I do have a goal of completing a full or half marathon in all 50 states. And so this was state number 19, I believe. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. To victory. To feeling good all the time. <laughs> mm. This is refreshing. First of all, to anybody who didn't catch that, Keith is a longtime Seinfeld fan, so that was uh, fantastic. We've been making references all weekend already. Mm-hmm. But you did tell me you wanted something refreshing. <clears throat> you said you're normally a vodka drinker. So I pulled out my handy cocktail book, and I found the perfect thing, both in terms of the name and for what I thought would really fit the bill. So this is a Corpse Reviver. Ooh. And I was like, I like he just name. ran a marathon. Yeah. His body feels like a corpse. That's Although amazing. he's doing, he looks amazing. It, it's, I actually feel pretty good. You and uh, you were able to, you know, go with me, get some groceries yesterday. Um, and I think, you know, as you start doing more and more marathons, you find out what works for you, what's going to make your body feel uh, better after running 26 miles. Exactly. Yeah. So <clears throat> uh, what's an interesting fact about the Corpse Reviver that I learned just before the show is technically, they are so named for, as like a pick-me-up, hair-of-the-dog cocktail, you know, to bring you back mm-hmm. to life, take away a hangover. And all drinks, technically, that are made with equal parts of three different liquors are considered corpse revivers. That's why if you'll look online, you'll, you'll oftentimes see corpse reviver number one, number two, number three. And people have different variants and whatnot. But this is number two online because it, I had the ingredients for this particular variant. It is... Uh, dry gin, triple sec, Lille Blanc, freshly squeezed lemon juice, and you saw me freshly squeezing that. Mm. Sugar cane syrup is optional. I omitted that because I just made sure to have 100% of all of the other uh, ingredients. Plus, I know you said refreshing more so than mm. sweet, so I stayed on the refreshing side. And then several dashes of absinthe, but I used Pernod, mm. which is like an absinthe-flavored uh, liqueur. So it's definitely a, a suitable substitute, but uh, it's quite good, I must say. Yes. And I know our listeners, Alex really here does, 
you know, when he's working on a cocktail, it's like an artisan with a piece of wood or an artist with a painting. He really puts the detail into his craft. Maybe that's why you named this podcast The Craft Heads. Dude, thanks, man. That That's a, I take that as a fine compliment. Mm-hmm. I would definitely I take this seriously. I really, really enjoy yeah. making these crap no, cocktails. But this is this is very good and I told you I know little very little about cocktails. I really don't drink cocktails. And you're just like, tell me what you're in for. And so I said something refreshing. because uh, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Don't want to be too boozy or anything. Yeah. Uh but this is very good. It's very refreshing. A little little sour, which is good. Yeah, that's um, a, that's the lemon on But not not overpowering. So this is an excellent selection and Thank you for finding And yes, I do love the name Corpse Reviver. Awesome. Glad to hear it, Keith. Mm-hmm. So can you tell our listeners uh, just a little bit about your background, where you're from and everything, just so everybody knows. Like I said, we I met Keith through Jake all the way back at Duquesne in Pittsburgh. But the last time Keith and I saw each other in person would have been 2011, 2012, probably somewhere in there. So it has been close to 10 years, you know, and we've shot each other mm-hmm. a few texts here and there, but... I, I, of course, moved on to Atlanta, and even though I've done lots of different things and had lots of jobs, I've been in Atlanta. Keith has been all over the place, so tell us the story. Yeah, um, thank you. So I am from New Jersey originally, a um, little outside the capital of Trenton. So I grew up there, spent 18 years of my life there, and then it was time to go to college. And I really didn't want to stay close, just one, because I felt it was restricting restricting myself. And then also, I just didn't have a lot of great friends uh, in New Jersey, honestly. Uh, so I looked around, um, and actually, the first time I heard about Duquesne University was uh, a story about how some of the basketball team got shot. Mm. Um, but I'm like, that's a very interesting name. Uh, did a little more research. I went to their booth, went on a college visit. I love the city of Pittsburgh. Um, And so, yeah, I actually got my acceptance letter on my 18th 18th birthday. That's Um, awesome. Happy birthday that day. Thank you. Exactly. I was ecstatic. Uh, So, lived in Pittsburgh for the next four years, went to Duquesne. I, you know, thinking back on it now, I think that was one of the best periods of my life, just living up there. Um, Because now, honestly, adulting... I don't like to say like adulting, but like after you graduate and after you get your degree and going to work every other day, you kind of, it's, you miss those days of where you just go to class and then do whatever you want for the rest of the day. They're, they're the, some of the simultaneously hardest and easiest days of your life, but more yes. so on the easy side because it's like you're studying and if you mm-hmm. want to do well and all that, that's important. It's definitely more it's more difficult for somebody who's striving for a 4.0 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to graduate and right. like do pretty well. I was always shooting for like 3.5 and mm-hmm. I did that pretty much no problem. So I agree. It's Those are some very carefree, uh, easy living days. Mm-hmm. No, and I know that's where I met a really good close group of friends and, you know, a friend of the show, Jay Kurtz. Obviously, that's how I met you. Mm-hmm. And uh, other people that I'm still friends with. So it's really good I met there. So after, as I was graduating, you know, I was like, I don't know what job I wanted to get with my degree. I was getting a degree in political science. But I'd always wanted to travel abroad, um, see what it'd be like to work abroad. But I didn't want to pay for anything. Because I know they have these things um, where you could, like, pay to work somewhere for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, or I didn't realize this later, you could, you know, teach English somewhere, but I didn't think about that. But I did apply for the Peace Corps because I knew about that. And I was invited to go to Rwanda. And 
after you know a couple week decision i said hell yeah let's let's do it um and then that was another period of my life where i just really enjoyed it um at first definite culture shock going from uh the u.s to rwanda which is if you know listeners don't know it's a small country in east africa it's about the size of maryland um and they did have um a genocide back in the 90s and then and so it was in a horrible situation in the 90s but it really has built itself back up uh it's trying to become the it hub of africa so very very clean country very friendly country easy to travel through um weather is averages around like six seventy to eighty uh, maybe 80 to 90 in some places yearly uh, just made good relationships there's but not only the Rwandan people but other Peace Corps volunteers and I really you know got a perspective of what living is for other people in other countries that you know don't have these things that you know are taking book bats every day or, or electricity goes out constantly um, and so with that I'm like wow I want to you know I really enjoy this work I want to do something uh, that goes towards this work so i thought about it and after talking to some other people i wanted to get my degree uh master's degree in social work but i wasn't ready to just apply straight out of peace corps i would want time to myself i thought it was going to take me a little bit more time to acclimate back to the u.s so when i came back i had about a month off to myself then i was bored as shit no wow every, everyone was everyone's working yeah sure because uh, it's two years after graduation so all your friends you know you visit them <laughs> Uh, but it's like they're working, um, during the days I wasn't doing shit. So, uh, I could curse on this, right? You can say whatever you okay. want. Trust me. No filter. Um, so I looked around for jobs, looked anywhere, um, put flyers everywhere, like West coast, down South, Northeast. Um, and I got a call back from a job in Memphis, Tennessee. And I worked there. I uh, got hired there. I worked there as a HIV outreach counselor. So what I did was I was in the emergency room in a hospital and I would uh, offer people an HIV test, offer patients that came in an HIV test and then give them uh, pre and post test counseling and then also um, providing linkage to care if they did test positive. Um, I did that for about a year and a half and that was a, that was a tough job telling someone they have a disease mm. or to have the disease that's going to change the way their their life is and that's so stigmatized is is a difficult thing to do um but luckily our medic you know medical science has gotten to the point where it's just a um chronic disease and you know it's not people are still able to live full long lives with it um so that was good um but it was a difficult to job to do but i loved memphis memphis was great great city uh great food great people to get to know um really fell in love with running down there um because there was a really really good running community out there so after memphis i applied to grad school and i went to the university of maryland baltimore right in baltimore city um and i will say that was probably the least place i liked living just because i'm allergic to shellfish so their best food was out for me <laughs> Um, not a ton to do. Like there's, you know, once you do everything, you kind of like, it's over and over the same thing. Um, and then honestly, like I liked where I live, but it wasn't the greatest. And then, you know, uh, traffic, 
living there was the worst traffic I've ever lived through in my life. And that's wow. one, of, one of my pet peeves is like traffic. And so uh, that's actually like if I get a job somewhere, if I'm not close to it, I'll move to where closer to be because I want my commute to be like five, ten minutes. I got you, minutes. man. That's yeah. why we moved here. Yeah. And so if you ever uh, set Atlanta in your targets or in your sights, definitely you'll just have to move right next to your job because this oh, yeah. city is, as everybody who listens to this podcast knows, Atlanta is really horrible. I've never heard that specifically about Baltimore, though. That it, it has such bad traffic. It is just because, um, really, the worst part of traffic is the downtown. Is downtown. And so I was going from East Baltimore to West Baltimore. And so you, that way you just have to cross traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, cross the downtown area. And so it was a nightmare. Um, but, you know, did two good years of internship. Two good years of grad school. Um, my, my girlfriend I have now, Keisha. Um, and... Uh, then we were both graduating at the same time. We went, she went to grad school for counseling and I went for social work. So very similar degrees, but, um, still different in itself. Um, but after, you know, we just decided, you know, Baltimore is not where we wanted to be. Uh, and so she's a theater actress. And so for her option, she wanted to be somewhere where they had a good theater scene. Um, and really it boiled down to LA, Chicago, or New York. And I said never to New York, and she said never to L.A. So we both visited Chicago. We both really liked it. And so she moved there. I took um, a little bit longer because there were... Honestly, I was was scared because I didn't have a job option. I didn't have a job prospects or anything out there. Um, So I was... You know, I felt like I was putting myself in a vulnerable position right after graduating, going somewhere without... um, a job and so I, I think what's not talked about more in college experiences is that post-grad blues or post-grad depression which yeah. people go through if you can't find a job um that shit that it, it hits you hard um and i went i went through that when i was looking for a job because it's like you're doing the same thing every day um and you're trying not to let it get you down. Like one thing I would always try and do was make sure I worked out or make sure I kept like a sleep schedule the same. Cause I know one, even once one missed day can lead to another and another. And eventually it becomes, you know, I'm just not taking care of myself and I got in a worse state. But um, luckily I was able to find a job um, that offered me the salary I did want, the minimum I wanted. And so I'm there right now, but I am looking to uh, find another position. It's just it's just not a good fit for me right now. There's been um, it's I, I've told you this off the air. It's just been a mess there. Sure. Um and <clears throat> D- describe what you do vaguely. You yeah. Know, oh, okay. Home. Yeah. So I'm a coordinator for an after school program. Um, and it's for a nonprofit. So it's it's not through a school, but um, mo- half of the kids that are that are in the program, they're parents are clients of our nonprofit um and then the other half of the kids are their friends that go to schools in the community um and so you know i do enjoy it and i i really enjoyed working with uh the team i originally got but there's been like a really recent and sudden turnover and it's just not where i want to be and i don't feel the same support that i felt coming into it and so yeah i am gonna um I am looking to find to another position, something that is a better fit for me. You know, um, I'm really to where, uh, 
you know, it needs to be a good fit for you. you, you I don't want to just be doing a job because just to get a paycheck and get yeah, insurance. Of course. Um, and so unfortunately, you know, the way the world works is you have to do that. But I really want to be to the point where I'm doing something because I enjoy it and I feel like I'm happy at that job. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So what would you say, uh, everything that you've done up to this point, mm-hmm. Keith, and it's something that I think is particularly fascinating and commendable about you personally is everything you've ever done for a living has helped other people very directly. You know what I mean? I, I could try and make a case from it from my standpoint. Mm-hmm. I, I don't and I won't. But as far as, you know, the things that you've done working uh, with, with people who were diagnosed with uh, HIV, mm-hmm. Uh, helping in after school programs, obviously the Peace Corps, which I want to ask you more questions yeah, about. Yeah, of course. What what is it that you want to do next? So, what I want to do next. So, I still want to keep you know stay in the field of. I know this is going to be very broad, but it's still doing something to uh, benefit others and make sure that they're better off because of your service, whatever you're doing. Um, because I I feel like I've been you know truly been given a gift in life. Um, that most people don't, you know, like I said, going to Rwanda, you see a lot of people that don't have the opportunity to go get an education, to uh, not have to worry about um, getting food every day and not have to worry about um, that if they don't get a job, where are they going to go? I've had all those. I've had the access to education, whatever ever form. I've had access to very caring and loving parents that would support me through anything. So I really do want to give back um, and not in like the sense of like volunteering once a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to, you know, use what I've been uh, afforded and to like put it forward so someone else can, uh, you know, get what I was able to get because, uh, you know, I had a good, I had a good upbringing. I had a, I had a fortunate upbringing. Um, and I really think that that's what really just drives me is like wanting to make benefit others, you know, wanting to, even if I'm not leaving my mark, I'm helping someone get to a place that they wouldn't have been without me. So that leads me to my, what I was thinking about this whole time, Keith, where did that come from? Was that sort of an innate drive mm-hmm. in you? Is it because you went to the Peace Corps? Did you experience was that whole experience what really gave you this drive or where would you say that came from? so i definitely think it came from you know peace corps experience definitely helped but i also think it came from my parents um my dad and mom are just like if you ask them for anything they'd give it to you mm-hmm. uh and that's always you know how i felt is like that's why i do you know even at work or in other situations i have a problem saying no because they i was just always brought up in a way where Anything I asked for, you know, they they would say yes to. And so I, I do have a hard time saying no to people. And so, yeah, so I do think it comes from my experiences in the Peace Corps. Um, and then, but also from my parents and my upbringing. Um, so I definitely do believe it's both a nature and nurture. Yeah, I mean, it, I would argue it's got to be a little bit of both because you went to the Peace Corps to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's not something that would just naturally occur to me, per se, as like, oh, what do I want to do next? And, yeah. and I think it's wonderful and commendable, again. Yeah, so, thank you. And I, I really wanted to talk more about that. I mean, you spent two years in Rwanda, mm-hmm. and I, I wanted the, our listeners to hear the whole backstory. But getting into a little bit more detail, what are some of the, the most uh, transformative experiences you had there? What are some of the 
what are some of the real shocks that you experienced? Some of the most positive things that you saw? It's anything you want to share about that experience. Yeah. There. So, um, I will say one of the most positive experiences I could say is the reconciliation they have in that country. Like I said, they had, you know, a, a genocide. Um, but really that state is very, their hope. So when they, when they were, you know, charging the people who did the crimes, um, they were really about reconciliation and bringing, you know, the communities back, being united as one Rwandan and actually, you know, they really don't specify them by ethnic groups. They, they Rwandan people don't specify themselves by ethnic groups anymore. They say, we are Rwandan, we are one. Um, and actually, one thing that happened that was surprising to me was we had a community meeting. It was a genocide memorial meeting, but they had someone who committed the crime come up and speak. And, you know, I didn't know, but he was still living in the village, still, you know, uh, engaging in the community but yet you know back then he did um crimes i'm not sure what specifically um but just thinking of even though these people may have done you know horrible crimes there still can be a way that in order to be positive and get a positive aspect out of it you need to reunite okay so that was a positive experience mm -hmm. what were some of maybe some of the shocking things that you went through really yeah. interesting things anything like that and, and oh, okay. also just to plant another seed i realize how trite and annoying this question probably is but a really cool movie back in the day that i saw in high school was hotel rwanda yeah. with don Cheadle, and he played mm -hmm. paul russesa Bagina, i think that was his name yeah and yeah. the ethnicities you were referring to were hutus and tootsies mm -hmm. right so how accurate and relevant is all of that in in terms of history or at least from your experience and what you've learned and how it played out in like modern um, society there today so i don't remember Rwanda's ever talking about that movie honestly yeah uh yeah I, I don't find that surprising so I, i'm not saying it's not accurate because i i do believe it was an accurate portrayal of what happened mm -hmm. um but i'm just saying it never came up in conversation sure and it was more of a western uh take western targeted <laughs> audience for yeah. that movie um but yeah some things that surprised me were just um how beautiful the country was you know i i you know seen pictures of there but i truly lived in a place that was you know in the, in the bottom of a mountain um so every day my favorite time of day was about the i think it's called the golden hour where the sun's like wane like starting to go down and everything like gets that golden hue and so it looked beautiful on the green of the uh mountainside um and i just didn't expect it to be that beautiful um but also what sucks there too is even though it's so green that means there's a lot of rain so half the year it's the rainy season and when it rains nothing gets done yeah like nothing. monsoon style well just... no no not only that people don't want to go out in the rain yeah uh so meetings will get canceled and because a lot of the ha well uh, the houses in my village were all tin roofs so you even the slightest rain would make the loudest noises. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I never even thought about yeah. such a thing. So, it's real basic, though. You know, I know people who say, oh, rain is so relaxing. Well, when you have a tin roof, rain is the worst thing ever. Especially for half the year. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and then also roads, because most, especially in my village, most of the roads were uh, dirt roads. Mm -hmm. They become impassable. Either that or you got to buy boots that go up to your, like, Unique, almost unique cap to walk through them. Right. Um, 
Uh, so yeah, my luckily one of my roommates uh, got me um, a waterproof bag, which was a god's sake sometimes because I put all my like valuables in that bag and that would keep them dry even if my book bag got soaked. Yeah. Um, so that was great, but you know, I would just say the people, uh, you know, I'm taken aback by the people about how friendly they are. You know, I would say, and I haven't been to. Um, many other countries in Africa. I've been to a few, but not many. But I would say Rwanda probably is one of the safest countries in Africa in terms of crime. Um, I think all you may have is really petty theft. Mm -hmm. You don't really have any these violent crimes. Um, Now, I will say automobile accidents are, you know, probably the highest cause of death. Uh, Definitely the highest cause of death of expatriates there. Um, and so d- driving there is dangerous because the roads are very windy. They go up and down hills and the drivers, they do go really fast. Yeah. Um, and then you're crammed on this, uh, they call them twedges, um, which is, it's like a, a small mini bus, um, that's built for 12 people, but they 12 or so, but they try to fit like 30 on there. Oh, sure. Um, so it's like, if you crash there's not a lot of room to get out. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, but I appreciated, you know, how people friendly are. You know, there is a language barrier. Uh, because English is one of their official language, but it, it's still not widely spoken there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did have to learn their language, which is Kinyarwanda. And I wasn't fluent, but I could get by. Um, I could, you know, travel by myself, go to the market, get everything I needed with my uh language ability wow that's really cool i didn't know yeah. that i mean it, it makes perfect sense now on hindsight but i, I never talked to you yeah about that. no it was it was really cool and i think that's one of the uh, really cool things about the peace corps is that you get to learn their local language um in any country you go to um so i think that's really cool and they do put you through a uh, pretty rigorous um class like i would say we had three months of training and from you know, nine to five every day was language. Most days was language. Um, And we'd get Sundays off, but really we went at it a lot. Um, But, you know, that was just to prepare us for living on our own because we really were on our own. Now I will say because Rwanda is so small, us volunteers were lucky that we got to be able to go visit other volunteers pretty, pretty frequently, not frequently, but pretty often. In some countries that are huge, um, you could be very isolated where your closest volunteer is like five, six hours away. Um, so we were really fortunate in that experience. And like like I said about Duquesne, I just made such a good group of friends there in, in my time in Rwanda that we're still, you know, talking every day. Uh, I actually want to show you something. So my host family, they loved hosting volunteers. They did it for about five, six years. Mm-hmm. And... My host brother, who was away at school at the time, but would come home um, time to time, he loves. He was very cool, and he's he's a he's a trendy dude. But what's his name? In case he ever is so listen gets to listen. His name is Arcalo. Okay, but look what he took as his Instagram name. You're kidding me? No, that's so cool. Yeah. I love it. It's so flattering. So, listeners, what I just showed Alex is my host brother, who I, I didn't know that well. Um, his 
Instagram name is Arcalo Keith Partica. So he took my name as his Instagram name. I'm I'm immediate. I'm very flattered by it. Um, if you want to search it out, he's a good looking dude too. That that's amazing. I I can't wait. I want to look at that more later. But uh, two follow up questions mm-hmm. then, and, and and then I do want to talk about some of your marathon experiences as well. Uh, first of all, I just heard you say your last name, and I've been mispronouncing it uh, all my life. It's Partica. So no, it's Partica. Partica. Okay, yeah. so I was, I think at the beginning of this podcast, I yeah. said Partica, so it's Partica. You know, I said it like that for 20 plus years, so don't worry. Oh, you did? Yeah, okay, I, I don't think there's going to be a right way. Everyone talks the way they talk. There's well, no, I know you're Keith Party. Yeah, it's so it's not, it it's a very right. subjective thing. There's yeah. no objective way to pronounce my last name. So, well, yeah. now, I'm just going to remember, say the word party, and then say ka. So, yeah. Keith Partica. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Last thing, and I have no problem revealing my ignorance. I'm here to learn, mm-hmm. uh, especially whenever I'm, you know, doing a like a one-on-one conversation with with a guest on the show. I, other than the fact that I know it's a humanitarian organization, I don't know what the Peace Corps is. And Mm -hmm. I'd be willing to bet a lot of people listening to this don't know. Can you give us a quick overview of generally what the Peace Corps does? And can you, and then real quickly, just tell us like, what did you do over there? Just, you know, generally on a daily basis. Yeah, sure. Well, Um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, the Peace Corps is an organization that we go out and, you know, if uh, other countries request volunteers from our country, uh, they place um, they place volunteers there. Um, and really, the t- biggest biggest one is English as a second language. So, I think in every country that Peace Corps serves, one sector is in- English teachers. Um, but there also are different um, sectors too. So, youth development, uh, business development, health. Um, and some other more sectors, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting. Uh, and I was a health volunteer. So what I did was I worked at the health center, which is basically like a clinic in the village. Um, and if you look at their health system, it's like the health center is one below the hospital. Um, so yeah, like a clinic. And what, what is a problem, what problem was there for most health volunteers, especially in Rwanda is... Uh, organizations and health centers would say to Peace Corps, hey, we'd like a volunteer and Peace Corps would place a volunteer there. But then they wouldn't have anything to do. They wouldn't know what the health volunteer should be doing. Um, And Peace Corps did train us on a little bit, but it is really like what the health center wants to do too. Um, And so luckily in my health center was, um, even though they weren't like, they didn't have work for me. So I had to find my own work to do. Um, and Peace Corps does give you trainings, which is good, and workshops to go through about what you could do at your health centers. Uh, and what I really liked was um, a curriculum uh, based on HIV prevention. It was called a Grassroots Soccer. And what it was was 12 lessons that are based on HIV prevention, but they're, but they're um, incorporated through soccer games and soccer analogies and activities. Um, and so I teamed up with a teacher at the secondary school that was, uh, secondary high school that was next to us. And we did, uh, lessons usually a couple times a week. And we did that for about whenever school was in session. And so we did two or three goofs with that. And then we moved on to malaria prevention and, uh, hygiene and nutrition. And then also, uh, during the year we did a lot of, bur- um, girls and boys summer camps because they've never experienced it uh a lot of kids have never experienced 
summer camps and don't know what they are. And so just getting to see the joy that they have there uh, was really, really, you know, awesome to see. Uh, I actually directed a camp, which hardest thing, well, I want to say hardest thing. I met probably most exhausting days of I've ever had. Like never before have I just went to bed and go, gone out like that. Right. Um, but those days directing the camp, they were hard. But um, I really, really like what I did. And that's why, you know, I want to continue. I'm actually, you know, thinking I'd still like to do something with international communities. Um, so I do want to, I would like to work with, you know, either um, refugees or immigrants as well. Um, so that's definitely, you know, a prospect, you know, one of my things I may be working towards. Cool. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. If that's everything on the Peace Corps then, Keith, mm-hmm. I would love to ask you about your running experience. Yeah. So I've, I've been a runner almost all of my life off and on. Currently, I'm in one of those off periods. Why marathoning and how many have you done? Sure. So I would say I got started running in, it was at Duquesne too. Um, I wasn't a serious runner. I think the only thing I did was I did a 5K in Pittsburgh my senior year. And, uh, I was like, all right, that's cool. Um, one thing Alex is athletically, I'm not very gifted. I suck at a lot of sports <laughs> and that's it. You know, a lot of people do. Sorry, sorry folks, but I, I just, dude, I, it's amazing that you just outright say I'm the same way. I'm, I'm good at a couple and just mm-hmm. not at others at most, you know, yeah. I mean? no, nothing special. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And so running, I mean, my goal in running isn't like speed or competing it's to finish to accomplish something that you can finish and for running you know if you really train yourself for it and you have the mindset that you can do it you know you can accomplish it and so I felt that especially um I will take that back because there are you know people who do ultra marathons and like 24 hour marathons which I'm sorry I don't have the mindset to do that no I can't accomplish that (laughs) um so you know and running's also cheap it's it's uh get a pair of running shoes get a pair of workout clothes and go out and do it um, not all the equipment you need yeah and then you're outside too i mean there's no really better way because you either you cooped up in the house or you cooped up at work you don't want to go i i don't want to go to a gym and stay inside and just be cooped up even more still when it's outside it could be beautiful out you know that's where you really get to see um you know, the beauty of things is just going out and experiencing them, even on a run and runs, you know, scientifically, I, I you know, I don't like to talk about science that much, um, but they do, you know, working out produces endorphins, so it makes you feel better. Um, and, you know, that that is true. Like when I was going through my, uh, when I just moved to Chicago looking for jobs, I ran about 30 miles a week just because, you know, it made me feel better to have some that routine and make sure I was still taking care of myself. So that's why I wanted to do running and stick with it because, you know, and luckily, um, I don't know how it's just, uh, I think it's just luck. I don't think it's, I do anything special. I really haven't become injured either. So I've, I would say I've been running pretty regular, pretty avidly since 2015 when I got back from the Peace Corps. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't, I've, I've said I had runner's knee, which is when your knee kind of feels like swollen. Uh, but other than that, I've never been able to, I've never like not finished a race. I had to, I, 
I signed up for race and didn't do it because of a family family uh, emergency that happened. But other than that, I've never had to miss anything because of injury. So with that, I've just been lucky, and hopefully my luck keeps going. Yeah. Um, and so the fifty state goal really became really was uh, an adjusted first goal of mine, which was just to visit all fifty states. But now that I'm running, you know, let me let me change that goal. Let me do like all fifty states, either four or half, which. I don't know why I picked four or half. I just I like the I like the accomplishment, um, and then uh, I also am I love shirts and metal. I love the shirts and medals I get. I have a yeah. metal rack in my house in my apartment, and uh, it's got all the ones I have. I, I have a feeling though it's gonna fall one day though because I'm gonna have too much too many. They get heavy. I mean, yeah. Keith has been wearing his medal all day, which I love. I mean, mm-hmm. if I was running a marathon in that city and staying in the city for the weekend or the day, I love that. I would do the same thing. And it's it's a hearty medal. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice medal. Like, yeah. They fucked up on the strap. Though. Yeah, <laughs> the, the strap uh, is literally that, falling apart. pretty good. Um, <laughs> but this is probably the last time I'll wear it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um. But no, I really am like, uh, it just gives me a sense of pride um, and accomplishment to do it. And, you know, I love, I have another book too of writing the states down that I've done. So, you know, when I get back tomorrow, one of the first things I'm going to do is put this on there and write Georgia off the list. Um, And then, uh, but yeah. And then you asked me another question about that too, right? I I was just saying why running, why marathoning. You you answered Uh, both of those. Let's wrap up. Uh, tell our listeners what you told me about what you like to do when you run in each state, like a little tradition that you have. Oh, yeah. So this, uh, this I just started doing this last year. So I list, I want to make a playlist uh, to only have artists and, um, that are from the state. And so for some states, it's it's easy to, well, I should say, I'm mostly a rap fan, rap slash hip hop fan, so I usually just have that one playlist. So uh, I did Illinois, which was easy to do for, because there's Chicago. a country rapper, Chicago. Yeah. Um, I did St. Louis, St. Louis has a couple rappers. Lots of Nelly. There was a few <laughs> Nelly songs, but actually Tech 9 because oh, he's okay. from uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, And cool. I'm actually a big Tech 9 fan. Cool. So. I had a lot of Tech Nine, yeah. um, and this one was a lot of ATL rappers, oh, which totally. was easy to do. You better have been listening to some Outkast. Uh, you know I'm not. Oh, it's ooh, got it, it, Outkast doesn't pump me up. I mean, okay. I had bombs over Baghdad and ATLians. Oh, all but, right, I but, uh, I'm good. I, I am placated officially. Okay, <laughs> I uh, yeah. Um, but I was telling Alex here, you know, when I get to Idaho. Who am I going to listen to? Yeah. I don't know any rappers from Idaho, do you? If anybody... No, I definitely don't. And anybody who can help Keith, crabtedspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Yes, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, Alex, also, I want to say thank you. Uh, so what Alex did when I first told him about this, I'm like, Alex, if you get a shirt and brand it with the Crabheads Podcast logo, I will absolutely wear it during the marathon as free brand, free branding, free publicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I did, it was a very comfortable shirt. Actually, I, at first I thought you were going to do dry fit, like the, the, like the racing shirts, mm-hmm. like this kind of. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, but it was cotton. So I was like, Ooh, uh, but no, it worked very well. Um, had no problems with it at all. And so hopefully you get a spike in listeners and also, um, 
hopefully a sponsorship. Although that might be a little. Hey, I'll, know, I will consider a one dollar patron. As far as I'm concerned, that is, is, is a sponsor. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and we hooked you up with some band aids for for your nips. Yeah, no chafing. No, it's good to go. So it was very nice meeting your wife this weekend, and she was <laughs> you know awesome with that. She's like, "Do you want band aids for your nipples?" I'm like, <laughs> "You know what? Probably because I didn't have any body glide." Which yeah. do you know what body glide is? I'm I can infer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I assume you grease up and it's just you know you're good. It, no, no, no. I get the stick, so it's not grease. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. It's much more. Uh, uh, not messy, not as messy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I will say, uh, the Atlanta, Mar- you know, beautiful course, um, very well designed, ran through a bunch of places that, you know, that were very good, ran through the stadiums, ran through, uh, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, uh, the HBCUs, Spellman, Clark Atlanta, which was my favorite, my favorite part was running through Clark Atlanta. It's, it's really, uh, it's a beautiful campus out there. Um, and just seeing the other side of, uh, you know, all sides of Atlanta. So, you, you know, do see the busy down, you know, downtown area. But then you also go through, uh, I read this one place where it called, I think it's called like Inman something. Inman Park. Inman Park. Inman Park is beautiful. The one that said is like the first suburb of Atlanta. Yeah. So you got to see that too. And then you also get to see the areas of the city that are neglected too. Yep. Which I think are still important that people realize that it's still there. Um, and I'm glad that the race didn't avoid those areas. Yeah, it's like it actually highlights them. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, and though, even though, and uh, although I did say to Alex, I don't know, I was expecting a lot more people. I said, I don't know what it was the cold weather or if everyone has a church, but yeah, because it was Sunday, early Sunday morning. Yeah, it wasn't as many people yeah. as I thought. But no, I really enjoyed this race. Um, would probably put it in my top five for right now. Um, and I just. Thank you again, Alex, for putting me on here this weekend. And, you know, it's couldn't have been better. Uh, better weekend here. Keith, thank you. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for reaching out to mm-hmm. me. You know, again, it's just like one of those things we've we've contacted each other once. Every once in a blue moon, we'll say, you know, especially mm-hmm. after uh, you had gotten back from the Peace Corps, going way back in the old podcast days up through now. I'm so glad we've had the opportunity to stay in touch mm-hmm. and become, I feel like this this trip officially like cemented a lasting friendship i know that's how i feel about it i I definitely do feel the same way you know i'm going to keep you know until you and tommy stop the podcast it's i'm going to be subscribed i think i'm still a patreon too although i know i did have um a little problem with my credit card uh so i hope i hope i'm still a patreon um but uh yeah i keep doing what you guys do i love to hear what you guys talk about um little little salty tommy wasn't here this weekend i know it, it was bad timing he's, yeah. he's a hard man to get a hold of he he's is. out of town a lot mm-hmm. but um i i always i promise him every time uh, when somebody is here i'm like the next time that they're coming you know we'll do a better job i i tell him i have to book him two months in advance so uh. i i will make sure to yeah. keep him abreast of all guest friends coming into mm-hmm. town especially people he hasn't met before that's yeah. that's always a good time but yeah and what were the other, by the way, what were the other cities that you've done marathons in? Um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So that was my first marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, Pittsburgh is always going to have a special place in my heart. That was, that was tough because it was my first and Pittsburgh's hilly. So, oh, yeah. I mean, this course was hilly, but I mean, Pittsburgh is the, you know. Hilliest. Very, yeah. <laughs> Although Rwanda is called the land of, that, interesting. Land of a Thousand Hills yes. Coffee Company. Oof. Yes. I love that place. Yeah. They have good coffee. Um. Yes, but um, 
and then the weather was shitty too um but that was i i still say you know just because i love pittsburgh i'm going to be biased that's going to sure. be one yeah. and then little rock arkansas um I, I originally planned to do uh, a marathon in Memphis, but that was the one I had to miss because of a family emergency. Mm, okay. And so, uh, luckily, Little Rock's like three, three and a half hours from Memphis, and they had a marathon that was close to when the Memphis one would be, and I'd be able to go to it. So I went and did that one. Uh, Little Rock's a really cool little city. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they'd like be called Little City. <laughs> uh, but no, Little Rock's a nice, nice city to go and visit. Uh, I had a good time there. It's very, it's you know very nice to look at. I really I really enjoyed Little Rock. Um, stayed with a great a uh, Airbnb. The family was very helpful. Um, recover from that too because that was another struggle. But I feel uh, I don't know whether whether I've just been training well or because I've been running like very consistently or and fueled myself right this race. But I really feel the best I've done out of the three that I've done today. Uh, I feel like. I feel definitely feel like the best way to describe it is like a mild hangover. Yeah. Um, just because you're so dehydrated, um, and you do have the you know leg aches and sores. Like I'll say, my legs are really stiff right now. Yeah. Uh, but I remember when I finished Pittsburgh, I'm like I'm dead. Well, yeah, and not to mention the fact you're tired. You got up at four thirty this morning. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah and I'm we're gonna, recording in the evening, so. Yeah, I'm gonna sleep good tonight. Oh my God. Yes. yes. Dude, that, and then we'll, I'll make sure you don't miss your fight in the morning, don't uh, worry. No, no, no. Um, I'll be fine. But, Keith, thank you again for being here. Thank you for including us, Tara and me, and the Slices in your experience here. Thank you for letting us host you. Mm -hmm. You're welcome here anytime. Our door's always open. You I appreciate that. that. You know what, my friend? If you ever, you know, come to, when you come to Chicago... Yes, I'm that's sure right. I'm of course sure you'll come to Chicago. We will. We definitely um, We're all interested. I haven't been there since I was a kid, and vacations as a kid like barely count they don't yeah, count. you yeah. know you gotta go no, as an adult exactly it's like it's like it's like um when people say they've been to a state you've been in the airport at that state yeah that doesn't state count, count at all yeah oh no 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 an airport's like neutral traveling ground basically. yeah it's a yeah hub. you can live in an airport and you're kind of like an in international water that's exactly yeah it's like a nexus yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. thank but, you uh, thank you my friend all right it's a pleasure being on likewise